It's time now for the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan and 740TheFan.com. To phone in, call 237-3767-1888-458-6926. Or you can text short code to 35270. A little bit of a rainy start, but that should uh, should pass through uh, some parts of the Red River Valley, at least the southern Red River Valley, getting a little bit of a rain shower uh, right now as I'm passing from the west on a Friday. Happy Friday to you. It's the uh, Jack Michaels Show on 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM, and, of course, at 740thefan.com. I'm Brad Anderson, and uh, Jack Michaels has uh, successfully now, well, with, with some help, has navigated up I-29 north of the border <laughs> to friendly Manitoba as he is uh, high atop, uh, he's, what, 20, I don't know what floor you're on at the uh, at the Radisson in Winnipeg, but uh, you can you can see a lot of you can see a lot of uh, of Winnipeg from where you are currently. As you currently know, located, Brad, yes, yes, as you know all too well, it really is one of the uh, the great high rises in Winnipeg that that just sits atop the the southern plains of Manitoba. Yeah, floor 27. By the way, it's it, it is people don't know if you've made the trip here. It's you know right. Uh, the uh, you need that uh, your your hotel card to activate the elevator. So if your card's not ready and you're on the first floor, you're not going to the second or the twentieth or the twenty seventh. So it's a that's a keynote from old Uncle Jack. Uh, Brad, have that hotel card ready to get it up. But yeah, twenty seven. You can see all of Winnipeg. I can see the red to the Assiniboine to Shaw Park to everything here. And uh, yeah, we made it in uh, all night. Back to the border crossing. Yeah, border crossing. All it's a, I'll tell you, I know that the league is spread out mm-hmm. in the AA, but uh, we went from 104 degrees to whatever it is here, 70 and change Fahrenheit. I'll do the conversion later, Brad, in the show. But, yeah, the, uh, so what a difference a day makes in, as you mentioned, uh, the weather. What a difference a day makes for the, the Hawks players going from what they were just in to now what they'll be in tonight. Yep, probably about uh, 21 Celsius, I think, something like that, if I – if you do the uh, if you do the conversion, tough loss for the Hawks last night. Uh, oh. Kind of got kind of caught bits and pieces of it last night, uh, either via video or your call. And uh, uh, nice little run in the seventh inning. Um, kind of a tough call on extra innings, and then uh, walk off win. But I guess if there's a silver lining to all this, the Red Hawks have kind of scuffled a little bit. What uh, they've lost five of seven since the All Star break. But um, the teams that are chasing them and the team that everybody's chasing Kansas city is also uh, hit a little bit of a snag as well. <laughs> yeah. If there's any, uh, and it would have been hard pressed to, uh, to push that silver lining past manager, Chris coast, because uh, we were sitting in front of the bus last night and just, uh, you know, it, Chris didn't pull any punches. He was, uh, after the game last night, he, he says, we got to be better. This is, uh, this is not acceptable. We've got to we've got to be better. We got to score runs. We've got to we've got to play better ball. We, you know all of that, Brad. And and uh, because the the expectations, as you know, are so high for the Red Hawks. And, and that's uh you know it's it's the guys are trying. Maybe some are pushing too much, but you know they're a little thin. They, they're dealing with some things, some injury and whatnot. They're trying to get healthy. And you know you go into Sioux Falls and they're just there's not a there's no guarantee in any league and. Uh, Dang, St. Sioux Falls just uh, found those short porches two more times than the Red Hawks did. Let's just put it that way yesterday. And, and in the 10th inning, yeah, it, uh, Hawks kind of caught a tough break on a, on a tough call at first. I don't know if it would have – who knows uh, what it would have changed. But, but a two-run home run by Jordan Barth walks it off. And, boy, back-to-back losses for Fargo-Moorhead that, you know, two nights ago was the uh, – went ahead in the eighth and lost it in the bottom of the eighth. And last night, you know, had a lead at a big tie game and, you know, worked hard to tie it at five and then lost on a walk-off from the bottom of the tent. So, you know, new town, new city, you know, a good old rivalry. Maybe maybe Winnipeg is the uh, is the place to be uh, the next four days. Of course, this is game four of a, of a ten-game road trip, Brad. And I did stop at the Mall Mart, and uh, I've, I've, I've reinforced, you know, <laughs> clothing and whatnot oh, so good. we're good to go excellent well i, I was kind of wondering if you have 
Uh, I'm trying to think what your other long road trip was. Uh, well, you had the you had the week long swing to, to down to Cleburne, but yeah, this is probably one of your yeah. longer excursions of the year. How uh, how do you pack? Because it's you know it when you're traveling on a bus like you are, it's like it's you want to pack light, but it's really hard to. Right, and we don't you know as broadcasters, you know, Brad, we don't have a we don't have clubhouse guys that uh, that that work. <laughs> that work. I don't have a Caleb Carlisle that can I could just hand him a line of clothes. And go here, you go, dude. Put that in with the laundry. So yeah, it's a, yeah. We had a what was it? It was Fargo to Chicago to Lincoln to Milwaukee. That's right. Yes, back to Fargo, which was crazy. That's right. That was the one I was. That was the one I I forgot about. So I thought there was one more, and that uh, that was the one. Uh, two three seven thirty seven sixty seven is the number one eight 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 four five eight six nine two six. I am in the Gunderson studio. OMG! Oh my Gundersons! Jack uh, uh, in Winnipeg. Six thirty will be the first pitch. Six ten pregame tonight here on uh, on KFGO. Uh, we hit on this topic yesterday, but uh, well, Colorado sounds like uh, is officially on its way to the Big Twelve. I was just reading an article here, um, SI dot com, and. Uh, Paul Feinbaum, who's you know about as in touch in college football and college athletics as as a lot of people, and yes. the quote in this story says, "You may well administer the Pac-12 its last rites." Yikes! Oh man, yeah. I, I mean, I thought we had a good discussion on the essay too, and yeah, we're seeing that. That was kind of like I think what you and I kind of surmised the end of the show with going, "Where, where is where? What's next for the Pac-12?" <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. that's. You know, that's a, yeah, and fine by your right is so tuned in. So I think, you know, we both agreed too that, that the fit back to the big 12 for Colorado just seems like a, a better marriage for them, yes. you know, and, 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 uh, you know, we had touched on, you know, what are, what are the other, what are those, those teams in the pac 12 that now what do the other ones do? And, and you mentioned Oregon, you're right. You know, Washington, Washington state, you know, you, what are those that have, a brand, you know, but, and obviously Brad geography, geography doesn't matter anymore in the, in the major conferences, right? I mean, oh, we're, not we're, at all. Not yeah, at all. we're done talking geography in the major power conferences, right? Boy, I, mean, I would say in the major ones. Yes. Uh, so the PAC 12 now will have nine members going into the 2024 season. Um, and, you know, I think they've got a, a like this story says we'll need to not only make sure no one else basically takes off, but they've got to figure out, you know, expansion wise, if they are going to expand, where do they go? And I guess the first, you know, do you look at the I would say the Mountain West? I don't know. Uh, you know, I know Boise yeah. State has aspirations of moving up, but do you really want to land in the Pac-12, knowing what that, you know, that, that the future of that looks murky? I don't know. I guess I would. Do you look at the Mountain West? I don't know where else you'd really turn. Well, I look at, at, at major TV deals first, right? What's that? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it has the, uh, you know, and that that's what's, you know, driving some of these, you know, driving, you know, the, the foundational drive are the are the millions, if not billions, that are logged in. And, and, you know, we've, how many different topics have we brought up in sports, or really in anything else, where the, to, the old cliche, the rich get richer? And I think, I think that that's a little bit where, not even a little bit. I think that's kind of where certainly college football and, and college has gone, you know, and, and, you know, the rich get richer. So I think we're just, we're just on the verge and get ready for some big super pack conferences, you know, maybe down to two or three majors and, uh, and then the next level and so on and so forth. But yeah, a lot of that financial and of course, for Colorado, they're going to be able to move scot free because uh, you know that TV deal will expire, and mm-hmm. and there'll be no no penalty for leaving. They can they can opt out. So Colorado is actually like we talked yesterday. You know, if they mix winning, Brad, if they start, you know, did they even win a? And I should know this. We've had Mark on. Uh, were they any a bowl successful during their Pac-12? I'd have to check that. Did they have a? A bowl win or two, or not? Right, they kind of scuffled here in a while. I'm going to look here at the list of bowl games. Uh, let's see here. 2016 got to the Alamo Bowl, lost to Oklahoma State, and then the 2020 Alamo Bowl lost to Texas. That's the last time they've been in a bowl game. Okay, so they have, yeah. So yeah, They've kind of scuffled you know, so here. They're, uh, 
yeah. I mean, they're they're leaving to the Big Twelve, which obviously is is looking to replenish after they lose some key pieces, you know. So and then they've added more, but not to the likes of a UT or an Oklahoma or things like that. But you know, yeah. So that welcome to the welcome to the landscape, baby. We got you know NILs for individuals and. Good for them, student-athletes, but that horse is out of the barn now or cow's out of the barn, and you got conferences shifting. you got teams from L.A. playing in the Big Ten, which if you'd have told my middle school self that, I would have said, you're crazy, Brad. That's not going to happen. They're not going to leave that. But, yeah, get ready, baby. We're, it's just uh, what a landscape. What a landscape it is. I, I just uh, – I, I talked a little about yesterday. I just wonder – with uh, the Pac-12 down to nine, I just I can't see Oregon staying. Not with uh, the the power they have with Nike and that time. I, mean, I could see maybe the Big Twelve as a possibility. To me, the Big Twelve, you know, that is would be possible. Although they've kind of they've said all the right things. They've got an incoming president uh, there as well at uh, at Oregon. Um, in fact, I'm just looking at the uh, looking at one article here. That was the that was the uh, athletic director there just, you know I think they're saying the right things that they want to stay with the Pac-12 I just can't uh, I can't see that being a thing unless Pac-12 makes a major move yeah yeah so how do you so are we going to be talking about how do you save the the Pac-12 you know or are we going to be talking about you know, the the news of our demise has been greatly exaggerated you know that's uh that's it but you know it's a uh, it's always intriguing. So we love it. You know what? The game day is going to be. And, and speaking of which, Brad. Yes. We are knocking on the doorstep. <laughs> yes. Mean, can you feel it? And then maybe maybe part of me feels it more in Winnipeg now because uh, because it's cloudy and it's a little cooler. You know, when you're mm-hmm. actually kind of got a light jacket on, and I'm thinking, wow, this you can almost smell like game day not too far away, right? Uh, yes, I would imagine so. You know, you, you get media days with the conferences, and I know uh, UND is going to start practicing uh, here pretty soon. NDSU as well, and yeah, I think once we get, uh, I think once we flip the calendar to August, it'll that will probably feel like that a little bit more. And I know high schools in North Dakota will start next week, as we're about three weeks away from the start of the high school football season, at least on the North Dakota side of the river. So, uh, man, that's. Uh, Summer, either summer's going a lot faster, or or it's got a lot shorter. What are the one way or the <laughs> other? But uh, either way, that's what it definitely uh, feels like. Coming up with the program here, uh, we'll visit with Corey Provis. Uh, Corey down in Kansas City, Twins uh, starting a week long swing through Missouri. Three in Kansas City this weekend. We have a number of topics to visit with with the radio voice of the Twins. Of course, our visits with Corey brought to you by Dean's Bulk Service and C Store in Barnesville, and also coming up here in a few minutes, uh, Pat Bresnahan, one of the uh, founders. This has really been a cool event if you've not seen it out in Valley City. Uh, they have uh, they've kind of put together, kind of I believe on the outskirts of Valley City, the Wiffle Bowl World Series. And uh, they've had this now for close to a decade. And they bring in a number of uh, teams. Just to, They have a lot of uh, fun events around. It's not just the, it's not just the Wiffle Bowl games, but a lot of uh, fun. And, and, and it raises some money. I know the Valley City Baseball Association is going to, uh, that's kind of the main uh, main source of uh, what uh, monies will be raised this year will go to them, and uh, Pat Bresnahan uh, will join us here in a few minutes, scheduled to join us uh, for the all the uh, pomp and circumstance of that event, which has really been a it, cool event over the years. And, Brad, I don't know about you, but, you know, just the mention, just those two words you said, wiffle ball. Now, if you just mentioned wiffle ball, um, that, that things that just, that, that that bring you back to your, you know, neighborhood, perhaps, you know, your childhood. Um, I was just with my buddy, Mike, one of my best friends. He grew up across the street from me in Williston, and his dad was a football coach and a teacher, mom. So they were our best, you know, friends. You know, across the street, we played pinochle together, you know, those late nights in Williston. But his dad, Tom, used to, in, in their backyard, <laughs> mow, and I bet you, how many people did this? Mowed the backyard in the shape of like a baseball diamond, a little base pass there. And he had tall, they had tall trees behind their little, their fence. Not a big yard, but big enough. And we would play wiffle ball, you know, either, and in wiffle ball, you had really two bats. You had the big, thick, 
Paul Bunyan-esque size barrel vat, right? Or you had the really thin yellow, I think it was yellow, yellow vat that (laughs) the handle was the same size as the barrel. It was like just this modified plastic stick, right? You had those two vats. And we would sit out, and I and and the other good thing about wiffle ball back when you were little, you didn't need you know eighteen people to play it. You know if you had three or four do you know guys or gals, your friends in the neighborhood, you know. So when you mentioned wiffle ball and and having Pat on today to talk about that event, that's really quite a thing in Valley that that's going on. Uh, That's what it reminds me of is 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 going across the street, backyard, you know, about five of us, and then you're throwing just you know, laser breaking pitches and change ups and knuckles and trying to hit the ball. But we thought was the green monster. We called it that because the trees were so high with that big barrel bat. So, yeah, I mean, one other thing, you know, connotates just childhood when you bring up just wiffle ball. I'm like, oh, yeah, wiffle ball. Yep, that's right. Yep, they've uh, they've uh, turned that into a real cool event. They've raised over $28,000 for local charities. That's the 11th annual uh, coming up this year. Uh, this weekend in Valley City, and they're looking to raise about five uh, five grand for the Valley City Baseball uh, Association on that. State Legion tournaments uh, in North Dakota. Big game coming up here in less than an hour. Again, the, the winner's bracket game, kind of the money game with uh, Post 2 and West Fargo. As uh, they both won yesterday, West Fargo came back from 4 nothing down uh, to win 8-4. And uh, Bismarck and your Keybirds still alive. The number nine seed, they're still, they're still playing into Friday. And one of those fighting birds, bat. I was actually uh, on the bus last night in between finishing uh, Netflix uh, quarterback, which is fantastic. I finished it. And the uh, I was like, oh, I wonder what those scores were. So I checked our site, checked the thing. I went, how about those fighting keywords <laughs> battling back? They're kind of like the – they're a good story. Now, I don't know how long that, that story is going to read because, uh, obviously, there are some dominant teams in there. But as you said, they uh, – they pick and then beat their rivals, you know, the Western Nodak. That's a, it's always been a long rival there between Minot Wilson. So yeah, go go get them there. Those those fighting keybirds are are staying alive. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Though. The post two in West Fargo. That's uh, getting underway at uh, one uh, one hour time uh, noon out in Dickinson, out in the Mountain Time Zone. The winner there in the championship game Saturday, and also with uh, two North Dakota teams. Uh, qualifying for the Central Plains Regional. You know you'll be playing in Rapid City next week uh, as well. Uh, Wapton's got a big lead in uh, Class A, that first game down in Kindred. They're kind of dodging a few raindrops there, but they are playing there. They've got a big lead in the third over Watford City, first of uh, uh, first of four games down there today. So, yeah, just it's uh, it's it's fun to see. That just kind of would probably be the final few days of a Legion baseball in these parts. You've got uh, uh, stuff on the Minnesota side as well. Um uh, that's it, it's fun to follow. We'll do our best to keep uh, keep our eyes peeled on it, and you can check out the website seven forty thefancom as we'll try and get you scores and notes and all that good stuff as it comes along. Yeah, great stuff. And then as, as we talked this past week with you know coach assistant coach Meyer, the Moorhead side, the fourteen year olds and the fifteen year olds that are involved. I was in South Dakota, as you know, Brad. South mm-hmm. Dakota is just a flurry of activity. They love their Legion ball too. You know that's a uh, that's some good stuff, and I was actually, you know, when I was out shopping for undergarments. Thank you very much. <laughs> the woman that uh, the woman that was uh, deciphering between the value of an eighteen dollar pair or a package or a eleven eighty nine or whatever the other one was, she's from Rapid City, and we got into a. I said Rapid City, holy cow, Dave Plouffe. Post twenty two. Oh yeah. And I was telling her, I said you're, and she was a little bit older. I said, your Legion team was so good that even our varsity Legion team, we'd play like your 16-year-olds because the 22 team was so dominant. Like, they just send their 16-year-olds at us, you know. But, yeah, so that South Dakota. Of course, I think the bike rally is also coming up, Brad, yes. uh, coming up soon, too. So that's in a... It's going to be a thick area there oh, in Western no. Sodak. Yeah, no question. Uh, yeah, I have, I have a friend of mine that works in television, uh, TV, sports down there, and and he uh, he's been down there for a while now. But he says, yeah, he says what what Post Twenty Two has, and you know, he's, he's always said, I I always wonder if a minor league baseball team could work down there, and he says probably not, just because I think Post Twenty Two um, has such a I don't say a stranglehold, but there is such a uh, they've they've been such so ingrained right. in the community there, it would be hard to break. It's a great question. That you know what? That's 
That's intriguing. We, we, you know, we started talking about expansion and things in college football, but I always, I used to, I wondered that. Mark, you know, mm-hmm. you know, my not, there's been what they called semi-pro. People study the history of baseball. We've talked about a bread, um, you know, the Wilson Oilers, you know, Minot, you know, there's, you know, barnstorming that came through Bismarck. But I always wondered, like, because Bismarck's always on a nice field. Um, they they love their governors, you know, and the, you know, Mandan's running across the border. You know, would some sort of minor league team or something not legion or college fit there because of the way that maybe like the capital city followed their, you know, D league slash CB, you know, team mm-hmm. in the wizards. And now what we're learning is that, and I don't know what the numbers are for Legion ball from attendance wise yep. in, in Bismarck. Uh, but I like it that like rapid city, you know, they, they love their high school ball or Legion ball so much with a minor league team. And now, you know, you got a wood bad league there in Bismarck that's doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, and a summer league team. And, and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe as much as you think, it wouldn't. I think baseball fans are baseball fans, and I I'm not so sure that maybe it would work pretty well in rapid. Yep, that's uh, I guess that's a question he and I have uh, have bandied about from time to time. Twelve twenty two. We'll take a timeout. We will uh, uh, get connected here with uh, Pat Bresnahan. The Wiffle Ball World Series this weekend in Valley City, and Corey Provis around the corner as well. The Jack Michael Show. Jack North of the Border in Winnipeg. Right in studio in the Gunderson Jewelers Studios. Back with more in a moment on the fan. Back at the Jack Michaels Show. Brad Anderson back in the Gunderson uh, Jewelers Studios. Jack uh, on the road. Red Hawks baseball tonight here on the fan. First of a, a four-game series with the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, as that'll be coming up uh, 6-10 pregame, 6-30 first pitch here on uh, the fan. It's been about a decade now, but uh, a fun event out in Valley City, and this thing has really, uh, really taken off over the years. The uh, Wiffle Ball World Series is uh, getting underway this weekend, and uh, Pat Bresnahan joins us. You're one of the founders of this, correct, Patrick? Yes, I am. Um, I uh, I basically started along with uh, Chad Bergen mm-hmm. and Trevor Christensen, um, yeah, 11 years ago now. It's been pretty crazy ride to here i guess but uh, initially it was just a way to uh settle some rivalries and we were we were younger but now it's kind of turned into a whole different thing yeah i guess this was just kind of just something to just kind of uh just kind of play and have some fun but this thing is uh taken off and uh it, it's it's got some legs to it now yeah definitely i mean it's been uh a lot of fun and you know as we've gotten a little bit older we've been able to put a little bit more financial effort into it which has helped and uh before we knew it we realized we were in a position to kind of make it something that's bigger than us and have been able to help out some charities and things of that matter yeah you've raised uh, about twenty eight thousand dollars over the years and uh this year you've got uh, uh something you know a, a good organization a good local baseball association that uh, you're looking to uh, raise some money for yeah you know i mean we were all uh, pretty passionate about sports growing up um Obviously, with it being wiffle ball, baseball is a big passion for us. And as far as we're concerned, that's a good cause for us to support. It it uh, matches a lot of the same things that we're passionate about, and it was a real good fit this year. Hey, uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you'll say, hey, Pat, if you got me, okay. Uh, Jack coming to you from Winnipeg, which I'm sure they played wiffle ball in Winnipeg growing up. I was telling Brad, Pat. And I'm sure this is the same for you and, and Trev and, and, and Chad. But uh, you just mentioned the word wiffle ball. I was telling Brad about it. Every, every kid's probably got a story where, my goodness, I told a story about my, my best friend's dad mowed his yard in a wiffle ball type field. And that just spawned wiffle ball. And you didn't need many guys to play it. And you learned how to throw your first 45-foot curveball probably with a wiffle ball. And, <laughs> change my guess is patrick that that's a little bit of how your upbringing was too huh absolutely i mean it was it was a different era when i was growing up we didn't have cell phones and you know video games were there but it certainly wasn't uh, the center of our focus um you know chad bergen and myself uh basically were like brothers growing up so he was usually at my house or i was at his house and we had to find ways to entertain ourselves and wiffle ball was definitely one of the best ways we could do that it only required two of us we'd play one-on-one wiffle ball all the time yeah. like you said you learn to learn to throw new great pitches and 
you know, it helps you with your hand-eye coordination for sure, other sports, but a great way to spend your summer, that's for sure. How many teams you got uh, in this uh, tournament this weekend? Uh, 16. So we, we've always tried to uh, find that perfect number for us, and we kind of settled on 16 being the good amount for us to be able to um, get through the tournament for one as we've we've gone pretty late into the night before, and uh, we're getting better now at kind of mapping out when the game should should end and we've brought more people on board so we've got people ben lecompte actually has taken over the aspect of planning out the the tournament brackets and we've kind of got schedules we can send to the managers now so we've kind of got things running a little better after 11 years than it was initially that's for sure yeah you got uh you got a few former bison that have uh, played in this or will play in this this weekend yeah yeah we've got uh several of those guys that have made appearances here some of them have you know, come back every year since they they first played, and others, uh, you know, have gone places where it's a little bit harder for them to come back. But they they're all pretty hooked on it themselves. Patrick, uh, from a spectator standpoint, uh, I know it was fun to play. It's fun to play wiffle ball. I mean, my goodness, it just it's it's a blast. But from a spectator uh, standpoint, uh, that too, there's some fun involved in this event, right? Yeah, I mean, we try to make it as entertaining as possible. Um, our uh, opening ceremonies, we try to go above and beyond when we can, uh, getting entertainment. Uh, you know, last year we had a, a great balancing act that came in and shocked everybody. And uh, this year we've got a drum line coming in. And we've had a lot of different things over the years, but it's, it's a great opportunity for watching the tournament to just bring your bag chair sip on a cocktail and uh you know look and watch like you were a kid again you always know you have the uh the, the kind of the games and the teams in place but it's always kind of just some of the uh the the the, the other activities as well i almost feel like you got to just every every year you kind of have to probably say oh can we can we top what we've done uh in in years past yeah exactly it's getting harder and harder um but uh we always feel like we it's always seems chaotic when we're trying to get things together obviously we've got got our own eyes and and whatnot and throwing this thing together is is certainly a lot of fun but it it can have its stressing points too but trying to find you know new and innovative things to do is always a fun thing to to figure out um it's turned into a little bit more of a family affair over the last few years especially as we've got our own families and so a little pretty kid, kid friendly where we've got bounce houses and and things of that nature for for the kids to play on and uh, yeah, we try to make it as entertaining as possible. You ever think, uh, like, it, uh, as this grows and it continues to grow, and and you know, it's it's just a thing, and you know, you do every year um, that you know you're going to have like a junior division. You're going to start shaping the field like uh, the old Metrodome or Target <laughs> Field or Wrigley. I mean, where where's because I know you guys, Patrick. You guys are. I'm sure you've dreamt and, and thought, okay, we're going to billboards and Hall of Fames and great catch and web jack i'm sure all that has been bantered around yeah we have a rule um generally chad trevor and i try to meet throughout the year and one of our main rules with our meetings is there is no idea that is too ridiculous (laughs) so we if we come up with it it can be an insane idea and usually if it is an insane idea we'll find a way to take that idea and you know if we can't do something really crazy maybe we can figure out something similar that's a kind of a half a step down you know it's 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 a lot of just brainstorming and figuring those things out so we've we've definitely talked about about with about every idea we can think of and some of those you know the junior games and and that sort of thing have definitely been discussed and as our kids get older we're definitely gonna have to incorporate some of that for sure People want to come out and uh, watch any of the festivities. I guess when do things get started? And uh, as far as admission, parking, whatever, uh, whatever info you can uh, pass sure. along. Yeah, so it's um, free admission. Um, basically, if you come into Valley City and drive south on the Catherine Road, you're going to see a whole bunch of cars and campers and things of that nature parked out front. Uh, just walk around the backyard, and you're going to see. Uh, and hear the music, um, and just nestle into the sideline and take it all in. 
I am curious because I'm I'm going back now to our youth because you always had the the one kid uh, that that just swung with one hand. You know, they didn't even. And we were discussing <laughs> there are basically two bats. I remember Patrick, the one the size of a telephone pole barrel, <laughs> and the other was the long yellow one that was basically the handle was the same yeah. size as the barrel. Uh, but you know, then you had the you always had like one dude that was just going to swing one hand. And the other one that was trying to bat like Charlie Lau or Pete Rose or all that. Yeah. So I'm sure we see all that, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, we're very particular with the equipment that we use. We don't use the banana bats. Um, we use the official wiffle ball, but we find, we find specific bats that match just perfectly for the distance you can hit it and the difficulty it is to hit. Nice. A guy that's a, the one-hand swinger is definitely Cole Jurek. And I think it's uh, those, those big guys, they can't handle the really light bat, so they end up swinging one-handed. But um, it doesn't help them make contact. So Right, right, right. That's exactly right. Uh, one other thing. The games go pretty quick. How long are the games innings-wise? Um, so we put a 30-minute clock on we kind of have the tournament set up to where we do an initial pool play. Mm -hmm. There's four pools with four teams each. Um, and you do three games in that pool play. And we put a 30, 30 minute clock on those games. Uh, once the tournament starts, it's single elimination and there isn't a clock for those, but the initial pool pool play is 30 minutes. I would say you get pretty much games go between 20 and 40 minutes i would say over generally okay very good I, yeah i got one more brad it, it, it's a it's a it's gonna sound odd when i ask him this patrick uh i know it's a ball game but are gloves allowed because sometimes wiffle ball hmm. you don't need one sometimes but are gloves allowed that's a great question. I'm not sure we have anything written down officially. I would say if somebody showed up with a glove, um, we probably wouldn't say they couldn't use it, but I don't <laughs> think that it would be particularly advantageous to use one. Right. Um, you, it would be a little difficult. There's not a lot of weight to the wiffle ball. So, right. Uh, pretty <laughs> right. much nobody's using gloves out here. That's right. All right. That's good. All right, uh, the website, if you want to check it out, wiffleballws.com, uh, all the uh, festivities this weekend out in uh, out in Valley City. Uh, Pat, appreciate it. Uh, have a lot of fun. I know you guys will, and uh, thanks for the time. Hey, thanks for your time. appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome, Brad. Yep, cool event. And, uh, yeah, they've got, uh, if you go to the um, – Go to the website. They've got a link for you if you want to. If you can't make it to the uh, tournament, and you want to donate for the Valley City Baseball Association. They have that as well. Uh, if you go to wiffleballws.com. I'm such a. I, I'm such. Obviously, I'm just such a fan. I mean, it just was part of the childhood. You know. I tell you a quick story before I know Corey Provost is coming up, Brad. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the Northern League, uh, back in the early days of the Northern League, you know, Madison had a team, the Black Wolf, as we know, and. Um, Outside of Madison, oh, about a 30-minute drive, I want to say is, now I'm going to forget the town name, I think it was Blue Earth or Black Earth, Wisconsin. Blue Earth sounds closer. But uh, Johnny Knott had a guy that was just a huge Johnny Knott fan, and they called him Itch. I think his name is Steve. And Steve owned a, uh, like a, like a restaurant. Uh, Steve owned a uh, sporting uh, a store that carried name your sporting goods. Uh, Steve was doing okay. He had a lot of stuff, and and we would we would literally take the entire charter and drive to Steve's sporting goods place to buy shoes or to buy you know Chad Akers bought a set of waders for goodness sakes to hunt with. I mean he had so we would take a drive. Uh, the charter bus would leave. So all right, we're going to the Blue Earth, whatever it called the uh, the the shoe box or something like that. And anyway. That in his diner, he was such a Cardinals fan, and Johnny was from St. Louis, and big giant odd fan. You'd go to eat at his diner. His diner, the countertops were kind of like what Joel Heikamp, I think, has, all collectible cards. You would sit and belly up to the counter or the tables and all the you know all these laminated baseball cards, and then you'd walk out to the back side of his diner down a patio, and he had a miniature wiffle ball stadium built 
and replicated to Bush Stadium. Oh wow! And it it was just a, I tell you, even if you're, it makes it it makes a thirty year old feel like they're nine right. again. <laughs> I mean, it was just I'm like and it's one of those where you think, boy, someday I wish I could do this, have my own diner in the backyard, just build a scale. So it was Mini Bush Stadium in a wiffle ball park, and I thought that that's that's life right there. That's yep. getting her done. Yeah, well, right? these, yeah, what these guys have done out in, in at Valley City too. It is kind of a neat little area, kind of tucked away, uh, kind of the south, kind of south of town there, and uh, just something they I don't say they did on a whim, but just they decided to do just for for kicks and they have turned it into uh, a, a really neat event that's uh, that's raised some money for uh, a lot of good causes. 1239, we'll take a break. Corey Provis, radio voice of the Twins. We'll talk some Twins baseball next on The Fan. Final segment here, the Jack Michaels Show. We're at 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM, 740thefan.com. Uh, it is time visit with uh, Corey Provis, our Friday visit with Corey Provis, brought to you by uh, Dean's Bulk Service and C-Store in Barnesville, the radio voice of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Corey, uh, real nice start to the homestand last weekend, a sweep of the White Sox, all in all, four and two, frustrating loss uh, uh, in the middle of that to uh, to Seattle, but all in all, you'll take four and two at home, won't you, Corey? Yeah, you take a winning homestand every chance you get. You know, when you start, you know, four and oh, yeah, you'd love to, you know, win another one, if not two. But you you have winning homestands, winning road trips. You're going to be where you want to be uh, when it's all said and done. So nothing to uh, be too disappointed at with that. But, uh, you know, the offense has been, you know, the strength of this team, really, you know, Brad, since the All-Star break. And the starting pitching had been carrying this team through the first half of the season. Starting pitching has regressed a little bit. Uh, not surprised by that. But to me, seeing the offense really tick up is a, has been a great sign. I'll get to the uh, starting pitching here a little bit later on, but offensively, it just seems like there's kind of a cohesive unit. I think you kind of know where the 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 top, at least the top three, top four batters in the order are going to look like, and I mean, just you know, just good production. I mean, it kind of it starts at the top. Correa's hitting better, and what Julian and Kirilov have uh, have done, and uh, you know, just but but a lot of guys. Vasquez uh, is starting to hit a little bit better. Michael Taylor got a big hit in that homestand. When you, you can kind of stabilize things, maybe at the top three, four batters in the order, maybe that just kind of gets everybody um, settled in a little bit better. Yeah, I think you're out of something. That's a good point because, yeah, there has been some lineup consistency. Uh, the Twins have been in this run, Brad, where they've seen so many right-handed starting pitching that Rocco's had the same one through four um, for the most part. I mean, Kirilov didn't play the other day, but it's been – you know, Correa and then Julian and then Kirilov and Kepler. And that quartet there at the top has really done well. Um, and then beyond that, it's been Buxton and Walner and some other guys uh, mixing and matching her a little bit. The Twins are finally going to see a left-handed starter here on Sunday when Ryan Yarbrough starts for Kansas City. So then we'll see you know, a different look here. But also with Kirilov, it's worth watching even tonight. And Alex uh, dinged up his shoulder diving for a baseball uh, earlier on the homestand, that's why he didn't play at all on Wednesday. But hopefully, uh, the day Wednesday, the day off Thursday, and Kirilov is good to go and play tonight. Take a look at uh, the rest of the offense. Matt Walner, even some of his, you know, he's going to strike out quite a bit. But I, I just like his approach. He takes a lot of pitches. I think it's a fairly patient approach. Yeah, there's going to be some strikeouts, but man, uh, with some power. And I mean, I think that uh, the home run, the second one he hit Wednesday, second deck to the opposite field, just uh, just shows uh, what kind of strength there is. Yeah, we were talking about that swing, uh, kind of just driving over from the airport this morning, and you know, the last left-handed batter that went up there was Otani uh, in 2019. <laughs> so that says something. If you're in, if you're in the same group as that guy, I don't care what it is, uh, you're do, you're doing something right. So you know, Walter is strong, big arm, big power bat. He can hit a fastball that we know. But for him, adjusting to off-speed pitches, similarly with. With Trevor Larnick, I mean, that's what those two guys, you know, they're not the same player, but they're not too far off, uh, both left-handed hitting corner power outfielders. Um, that I think that as they mature and as they get more big league time, seeing them adjust to off-speed, to breaking balls, I think will will decide their fate because at this level, you should be able to hit a fastball a long way um, if you're that size. But how do you do when the count is not in your favor 
and you're going to see off speed. That That is a big part of what these two guys have been and will continue to work on. Yeah, Twins uh, towards the bottom is uh, OPS against uh, left-handed pitching. And once we get to the free agent, uh, or I shouldn't say the free agent deadline, but the trade deadline coming up here in the next couple of days, Twins have made uh, one move, but I'm sure uh, maybe trying to find uh, another right-handed bat, maybe not so much a, a superstar, but maybe just kind of a role player and somebody that that fits that bill that uh, may not be quite as expensive, uh, still, I'm sure, uh, at towards the uh, the front of mind of the front office. Yeah, I'd be surprised. You know, the trade deadline is Tuesday. I'd be surprised when it's all said and done if the Twins don't have a right-handed hitting outfielder um, on the team then that's not on the team now. Now, who they have to part ways with, to me, is, is probably honestly more compelling than who they bring in. Because I, the minor league system isn't that deep right now. With all the moves that they made in the past, specifically last year, that took a hit with their farm system. So they're not going to trade away, you know, your Brooks Lees and and that group, and Marco Raya and David Festa and Emmanuel Rodriguez. I don't see them moving any of those guys. But a guy like Warner, a guy like Larnick, heck, even a guy like Kepler, that, to me, they're going to probably have to move from one of their strengths, and one of their strengths is they have many left-handed hitting outfielders. So that is something worth watching here. Um, heck, maybe even Joey Gallo. I don't know. Uh, but there's a lot of money left on Gallo's deal that, you know, if that happens, the Twins might have to chip in. So that, to me, is is, is, is to me a logical uh, path, and it may be the one that they have to go down to get a right-handed bat to join this team by Tuesday. That kind of leads to my next point, too, with uh, Jorge Polanco expected to be back here, if not this weekend, in the uh, coming days ahead. You kind of have a logjam as far as position players, and I know that uh, he rehabbed uh, in his stint in St. Paul with the Saints. He was playing third, so yeah, there's there's a lot of pieces, and there's almost maybe a piece or two too many. Yeah, that's kind of where you're at right now. I mean, you know, Buxton is back active, so he's on the active roster. You can only stay on the on the paternity list for a maximum three days, and Byron did that, missing the Seattle series. So he's going to be active tonight, and Larnick got sent back down. Polanco has not yet been activated. I, I expect that to be most likely tonight, and it may be at the expense of Matt Walner. Um, so then, okay, Julian's your second baseman, and Polanco's going to play some third because Royce is still pretty far off from, from rejoining the team. But, yeah, I think what you're going to see is, you know, quite a bit of Polanco and Correa and Julian and hopefully Kirloff. I mean, hopefully. Hopefully Alex Kirloff. And I said, Walner, maybe it's Kirloff. Maybe the shoulder isn't in good shape. And the last thing you want to see happen is for him to go on the IL right now, being he's the American League Player of the Week. But, you know, that's also a possibility if, if Alex's shoulder's not responding. Um, because I'm curious if Buxton's even going to play tonight just because he's been away from the team all week. If they want him just to work out, uh, break a sweat, move around a little bit, and then play him tomorrow. Uh, that that may be the approach that they take with Byron even coming back. Even though he's active, you know, we'll see if they even play him tonight. Twins, uh, we're kind of getting down the home stretch here, about uh, 58 regular season games left, and you mentioned the starting pitching maybe has regressed uh, slightly, and uh, really two that two that uh, I want to highlight. Joe Ryan, you know, had a really rough start. He really labored that uh, that uh, game of the the hot weather in Seattle, and you know Bailey Ober has really hit a point where you know this is probably the, as many innings as he's pitched in his professional career as well. I guess let's uh, let's start with Ryan. Is it just maybe a dead arm thing? He's just kind of hit uh, hit a little bit of uh, a rut here. What do you what have you seen? Well, the velocity wasn't down. I mean, that was something that we were looking at the other day. His velo is not down. What, you know, Joe, after the game, was complimentary to the opposing team and just saying tip their cap. He thought he made the right pitches. Well, you know, I think adjustments have to be made. I think, you know, there, Joe has still a really good fastball. It grades out as a very, very good fastball, despite not it being, you know, 97, 98. Uh, but hitters are seeing it more and more now. And I think what and Joe Ryan didn't face the Mariners last time. You know, it wasn't like, okay, this team just saw him, and now they're going to see him again. So this perceived carry he has with his four-seam fastball, well, we can adjust because we, we've seen it. That wasn't the case. But opposing teams are, are getting to his fastball right now, and that to me is concerning. He's becoming one of the league leaders. He's not at the top, but he's, not, he's probably just outside the top ten now in home runs allowed across the game. And the amount of home runs he's allowing in his last six starts I think it's like 14 home runs over his last six starts. That is a massive, massive red flag. 
So that has to be adjusted. But I think, you know, Joe also, I think in the offseason, I think he was very happy with how his splitter has played. I think this offseason he's going to work on a slider. I think a slider or a cutter, he needs another pitch against righties. Um, because if you're a team facing Joe Ryan because of his, his fastball split combo plays pretty well against lefties, not playing as well against righties. So I think he needs another good, effective pitch against right-handed batters. So it wouldn't shock me. Uh, Joe went to driveline this past offseason mm-hmm. if he goes back again, and the focus this time is, is, is to work on, on a slider. As for Bailey Ober, with his outing last time out, Brad, he has surpassed the most innings he's thrown uh, in a major league season, uh, but there are no plans to shut him down. Um, when there are chances, can they give him an extra day if the off days kind of line up that way? Yeah, but there are no plans for Bailey Ober to be shut down here. I don't get a sense that there is an innings threshold that if he reaches, that's it. Um, they'll watch him, and if the velo stays okay, then I think they'll ride him. If not, then they'll have to adjust accordingly. But I thought that was pretty encouraging because I asked that question directly. Um, were there plans to shut Bailey over down? They said, no way. That This guy, he's going to ride them. Uh, they're going to use him and use his arm to hopefully ride into October, and he'll be a big part of, uh, of that postseason staff. Through the uh, bullpen, Twins made a minor move, a couple of struggling uh, relievers uh, swapping teams. Uh, Dylan Floro, uh, the Twins pickup from the Marlins for Jorge Lopez, and uh, it was just, uh, other than maybe one month in April where he pitched really well, it was just a, a disappointing stint uh, with the Twins for Lopez. Yeah, it was. It, you know, that one didn't look good. Um, that trade has not has not turned out to be very promising, and you know that the, the Malley and Lopez trades were were that those did not work out. And that's that's part of the business. You hate to see it happen, but that's what happens when you trade. Um, and you're trading away, you know, young talent that some flourish, some many don't. But how that's working out for the Reds and the Orioles right now is it catches your eye because those teams are, are, have really benefited from those two trades. I can't say much about Dylan Floro. Um, to quote Dan Gladden, he's got two nostrils. I mean, I see his ERA is over four, uh, but. When I read that some of his underlying numbers are, are better than the actual numbers, you heard that a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's not a guy that's going to be closing games. He's not a guy that's going to be, you know, given high leverage moments right away. But, you know, a right-headed arm, that's going to be needed to get some key outs uh, at, at opportune times. The bullpen should be in better shape uh, beginning tonight with the off day they had uh, yesterday. So they'll get some guys back that were down, but still – uh, you know, Floro day one, does he, is he going to be in a big leverage spot in the seventh inning? No, but depending on usage, he could be in that role at some point, even in the series. Didn't seem like uh, much, but uh, what Josh Winder gave the Twins Wednesday, four very solid innings, uh, was a huge uh, asset to that bullpen. That's, that's always beneficial. Even when the game looks like it's going to be lopsided and the offense, you know, claw back into it, uh, to only give up the one run, two hits, and uh, four innings he worked, so yeah, Winder. Um, you know, Winder did did a did a fine job. You know, he I'm you know he's I think he's still on the active roster. I haven't seen anything yet this morning, but that's a move that might be made just to get another arm in because he won't be available for a couple of days anyway. So uh, don't be sh- surprised if that's another transaction that happens. Uh, maybe even as early as tonight. Yep, very true. A Thiel Bar and a Stewart trying to uh, uh, come back hopefully here uh, soon as well. Trade deadline, I know when you were visited with Jack last week, you were kind of wondering to see what the, the White Sox might do, and it kind of been very dependent on how they fared against the Twins and uh, with with the sweep, and uh, they, they made uh, the first of probably a few moves, but uh, Lucas Giolito to the Angels probably didn't surprise you where he, uh, or that he was traded, but maybe where he ended up. Yes, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see Giolito and Lopez you know, go to a team that's on the outside looking in right now. But if you're an Angels fan, that tells you that, hey, we're not moving Otani. Uh, if we're buying in, if we're if we're in this thing and they're going to get Trout back here, I think, next month, um, that they think they can make a serious run at this, even though right now they're, they're in the wild card race. They don't have a wild card position right now. But uh, that, to me, was a bold move. And they gave up, you know, two of their top three prospects to, 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 to acquire – you know, two guys that that that, that will that could be free agents at the end of the season. I mean, both Lopez and Giolito can test the market if they don't sign anything with the Angels. Now, Giolito, he's he's a Southern California guy. He may want to stay home anyway. I mean, he may do something with the Angels and just stay put. 
which you know I think would benefit him and his family. But uh, you know, I was surprised by that. I think the White Sox still are going to move more. I mean, Lance Lynn is not going to be on this team here. Um, you know, by the trade deadline, he's going to move this weekend. Um, I, I'd be surprised if Dylan Cease is traded, but I think Kendall Graveman and Joe Kelly, those guys are all going to be gone. Um, so the White Sox, Tim Anderson maybe, but the White Sox, yeah, they're not done. Um, they, they have assets that I'm sure teams are going to want, and the White Sox, they're, you know, their GM said we're not, we're not rebuilding, we're retooling, and but they're going to rebuild. Their farm system is terrible. Um, so they don't have immediate help right away. And so I think this is kind of the, the, the beginning of the end here for the White Sox. Really, the season was how they played in April. That was the first indicator that uh, their, their season was going south. And so they moved a couple of players that, that are up and smart to move them. And, and they're, not, they're not done. They're going to be moving, I think, multiple more when it's all said and done by Tuesday, Brad. Well, uh, stay cool near a swing through Missouri, but uh, appreciate the time as always, and have a great call. Hi, Brad. Thanks. Corey Provis, radio voice of the uh, Minnesota Twins, uh, brought to you by Dean's Bulk Service and C-Store in, uh, in Barnesville. Uh, Jack, uh, some final thoughts before we uh, call, it, uh, call it a week. A uh, lot, lot of good info right there, Brad. Uh, it always is with Corey. Good insight into the Twins and, and uh, going through all that trade deadline stuff and where to move, who to send down, who to call up, who might be you know, available uh, for trades. You mentioned uh, he even snuck a gallow in there, but yeah, there's some dollars there the Twins might have to eat. But I am curious, because the Twins do have some left-handed betting guys in the outfield, especially at the wing spot. I'm, 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 we'll be looking here. August 1st going to be here any minute, and uh, we'll see if, if there's some moves that will be made for uh, the Minnesota Twins. And uh, always good. They've got Kansas City. I noticed your subtle humor at the temperature, perhaps, <laughs> in the, in the breadbasket in that KC and then on to St. Louis. So, yeah. Looking forward to that. Hopefully they can uh, they can get some uh, wins on the road and, uh, and and just start trying to separate, you know, in the second half as, as we move deeper towards the end. And, you know, that's what the Hawks are trying to do, too. They're trying to catch and separate. Catch Kansas City and separate from the others. So we'll see if they can get that done uh, today. But good stuff today. All right, very good. Uh, have a good call this weekend in Winnipeg. We'll catch you at 6.10 tonight with a pregame show. All right, Jack Michael's show, Commons next. The power tra-